Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, and we have got plenty to discuss tonight. None of it will none of it will be the legal uh, wranglings and discussions that have taken place throughout the day across the city of Houston. That is something that Mark and I have talked about often. You bring in a legal expert to talk about that, and we've never had a legal expert on the show, so we're going to avoid having legal experts on the show, and Mark <laughs> and I are not legal experts, so we're what? not going to discuss that situation at all. Yes. How about that? Yes. That's probably yeah, the best no. way to put it. No, I think it's, you know, look, it's uh, Nick said it well earlier on in the offseason. You know, we're all hoping for a resolution, but uh, you're not getting one anytime soon with everything that's going on. And all you have to do yeah. is is read what's happening. And, and it's one day at a time, as they say. No doubt. Now, we have got a really cool segment coming up uh, in our second segment. Mark's going to stick around because he sat down with Cal McNair to talk about his football memories on the Texans, that football feeling TV special. So you definitely want to stick around for that. Plus, Anthony O'Claire. I stick the H in there. I don't mean to. Anthony O'Claire. He's I, I got had a chance to catch up with him, Scotty Phillips with Drew, but I'll say this, Mark, and I think you maybe interviewed Anthony O as well. Mm-hmm. He laughed at every single question I asked. That's like Ooh. the nicest thing that he could have done he made me feel like I was asking good questions because I felt like I was funny and he laughed. That's always good. I felt like, so that's going to be a fun interview. Um, but I asked him right out of the shoot, Mark, I had to, I had to ask him that ring is ridiculous. Have you seen the ring that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers oh. got for winning the Super Bowl? I was wondering what ring is he wearing to practice? All right. So no. the Super Bowl ring. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I think it's got it's like a two one. It's two bedrooms, one bathroom. Yes. Uh, it's got a garage. It's huge. It's huge. Usually I joke that, that some rings can be coffee tables. This could be an actual home. Yes. You can fit a lot of stuff in there. Don't you open it up and yeah, it's inside got- it. It's got like a flip top or a screw top yeah. or whatever. And yeah, there's like a stadium inside of it. I mean, it's Raymond James where they ended up winning the Super Bowl, uh, which I always thought was interesting that they went on the road for three games and then come back and play the Super Bowl at home. Uh, but yeah, I asked him about that. And of course, uh, <laughs> he thought it was funny. I was asking him about that. But we talk about any number of things uh, with Anthony Eau and Scotty Phillips. Uh, that'll be in our final segment but mark we got to hit some news and i think we'll just turn this into kind of a gut reaction uh situation but this came down probably about four o'clock today the texans activated two players off of COVID 19 titus howard and roderick johnson and then there was another transaction that the texans had actually waived tackle roderick johnson now We did not see Rod at practice today, but we did see Titus. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But your level of – I don't want to use the word shock Mm -hmm. because that's probably not the right word to use, but surprise that Rod was waived today. What was your level of surprise of that happening? 
there's got to be something going on that we don't know about. And maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe he just hasn't been performing the way he had in the past because Charlie Heck has locked it down as yeah. a swing type guy, if not the right tackle starter, right? With Titus yep. Howard playing a lot of guard in camp anyway. And, you know, maybe that's an ongoing experiment, but you're starting to get the feeling, look, we're getting later and later into camp here. You're starting yeah. to get the feeling that that could be the way it goes. And maybe heck in his second year draft choice, fourth round, North Carolina in 2020 turns out to be your starting right tackle. We don't know this for sure, but we're just observing. I'm thinking that the Jaron Christian's performance on Saturday and maybe throughout camp has something to do with this as well, Johnny, where look, the Texans ran for 170 yards and Christian played left tackle most of the evening and looked pretty good. I mean, nobody got that rattled, right? And I know that you're playing against reserves for the most part with Green Bay, but still it was a nice performance and maybe they feel good about the depth situation. Now you include him in that along with Charlie Heck and Titus as a possibility because he could always go back over and you still have Laramie Tunsil. I think Rod, it, it's too bad, Johnny, because look, we liked him and he was a good story in that he really developed himself. You know, when he came in here, he wasn't what he would eventually be. He improved as a lot of guys do. And I think that if he's healthy, he's going to end up as a spot starter somewhere because that's just what he does. You know, you have tackle problems. Rod can start for you, but maybe it's a health thing. I don't know. And it's still pretty early relatively in camp because you have two preseason games left, but they made the move today and we'll see where it goes from here. There's got to be more to this story. It's incomplete. If you're asking me to grade it or whatever, I'm giving it an incomplete because we don't know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Well, uh, I hope you know, I wasn't asking for a great, just your level of surprise because I mm -hmm. saw it and it's interesting because there's a, a part of me, I was like, whoa. And then I thought about any number of things and, and you brought up health, uh, you know, Rod got, got banged up at the end of the year. I think that last game of the year against the Titans, he was, he was fighting through something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, but he was fighting through something. And I, I saw him. You know, so he was here in Houston the whole time, and I think he was rehabbing the whole time. But to me, Rod is the type of guy you want to have on the team. Maybe not exactly Rod Johnson, but, you know, Rod was highly decorated at Florida State. A lot of people thought very, very highly of him. He ends up being drafted in the fifth round, and I think people were like, wait a second, how, how did he go in the fifth round with all these different awards and honors? You know, Rod was just pretty much an incomplete player at that point. I mean, he mm -hmm. was not really ready for the NFL, but the Texans got him here in 18, I believe it was, and put a lot of work into him. And I just started seeing a difference in 2019 with him. I mean, just as a player, boy, he had come a long, long way. Continued to do that, was an extremely reliable step in, got a start. If you got to start, you know, be the swing tackle. But I think you hit it, uh, Mark, with Christian. Christian's a guy that, I think started six games. I think that was the number I saw that he started six games last year for the Washington football team. And look, six starts versus three starts. What, you know, whatever. I mean, you're, you know, there's not, you're not going to, I'm not going to get all, you know, hot bothered about that, but he did start six last year to the year before. So he's got some experience. And beyond that, he looked pretty, I don't want to use the word decent, but I, I thought he looked good the other night against the Packers. Didn't give up pressure, seemed to be kind of in lockstep with everybody else. And I could almost imagine before Laramie and Titus and Rod did go on COVID-19, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure what you'd get from 
from Christian because he had been on COVID-19 and missed the first uh, 10 days, I think it was. And then the next couple of days, they're trying to ramp him up so he'd practice a little bit. And yep. then uh, and then they'd kind of back off the second half of practice. And so he was really out in full, practicing in full for not a significant stretch of time. But when he was out on the field, I thought he did some good things. I think another guy to keep an eye on in all this, uh, and I've liked what I've seen, but he's done a lot of it at guard. Mm-hmm. But in the program, I think he's listed as a tackle, and that's Jordan Steckler, number 70. So mm. we've seen some guys that have, and, and he's a Northern Illinois guy. There were four of them the other night, which is kind of interesting. But um, but Steckler has done some good things at guard, and I don't know if they'll take a look at him at tackle. You know, a guy that can kind of be a versatile piece that can play guard and tackle. So you you just mentioned it. You know, Laramie Tunsil. Hopefully, get Laramie back soon. First of all, we got to get Laramie healthy. I mean, that's the most important thing here is getting Laramie healthy, and then we'll worry about getting him on a football field. The other piece in this, and this was, I see this news, and my mind goes a mile a minute. So the first thing I thought of was, whoa, man, I wasn't expecting that right now. I wasn't 100% convinced Rod was making the team, but I was just, right now, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. My second thought was, ooh, does this mean that maybe Marcus Cannon's coming back anytime soon? Ooh, that would be convenient. That would be very convenient. I mean, I can't believe I didn't even mention him when I spoke about this earlier. But, you know, until somebody's healthy and out there, I'm not going to say I don't believe it, but you can't plan for it. But maybe they know something that, all right, he's just about ready. He's a week away. He's two weeks away. He's good for week one. However they want to deem it, maybe there's something there with Marcus Cannon, because that would certainly be terrific. That's how you kind of wrote this thing down in pencil when you were putting this thing together in the off season, or at least it was one of the ways that you could do it. So that would be really terrific to see him come back and you know what he's coming off of. So yeah, uh, look, I think they have some insurance there. I just thought Rod was part of the depth, but they know more than we do about these players. I always say that about every kind of transaction or any kind of player move. The coaches and the administration, they have the information. Yeah. You know, no one else does. So they make decisions based on that. They don't always make the right decision. It's the NFL. I mean, there are lots of wrong decisions made every day, but they have better information with which to make a decision, and this is the one they've made today or one of them. And we opine on it. We yeah. don't have that – you know, they don't sit down and go, hey, uh, we waved Rod Johnson today and – you know, this is why, you know, that, that, that information doesn't float to our ears well, <laughs> at all. Why so, not? I mean, why don't did, they ask me? <laughs> if, even if it, even if it did, mm. it definitely wouldn't, wouldn't make the air, uh, make the airways uh, at all. There is no, no doubt uh, about that, Mark, uh, about that. But Mark, I was thinking, you know, kind of with these moves and thinking about this offensive line, and where it goes what's your gut tell you about Titus and where you think it makes the most sense or is that still in your mind up in the air because we don't have everybody back completely healthy the two I'm talking about Marcus Cannon and Lane Taylor do you still think it's kind of up in the air or do you think Titus stays at guard like he's been in camp or goes back out the right tackle where he started last year 
Well, I think the question is, when you see them line up in practice and Titus is playing guard and Heck is at right tackle, are you thinking, well, if it was week one, is Heck starting at right tackle or is Heck kind of, they like him, but is is he the placeholder right now for Cannon? So Titus can really focus on guard and learn that because, you know, Titus has experience at right tackle. You can always put him over there if you need to. Uh, So if can, let's say, let's say this is week one, Johnny. Are, are they going to say, you know, James Campen's looking at this line. Hey, I'd really like to have Titus back at right tackle, Laramie at left tackle. Let's go with that, right? I want to go with that unit. Or is he going to say, no, we're good. I like heck, you know, I'd rather have a healthy cannon, you know, three-time Super Bowl champ. I'd rather have that, but I like heck, and I'll leave Titus at guard. So, again, more things we don't know, but my gut tells me that, I think if it was week one, they would feel pretty good with what they've been trotting out there in practice, the way they've been doing it. You know, obviously they want Laramie out there at left tackle. This is a big newsbreaker right here. Breaking yeah. news. They like Laramie at left tackle. So uh, that's how I feel. How do you feel? How do you see it? What I just described, because I think it's, you know, if this wasn't week two of the preseason, if this was week one, I think, you know, you have to kind of apply that to what they're ultimately thinking. Well, I, a couple of thoughts. Number one, where is where is Laramie in his return from COVID? And the reason that I ask that is if Laramie and, and and that's one of those things you're just you're just not going to know. So it throws kind of a, a, a monkey wrench into maybe what I'm saying. But we've had this conversation about quarterbacks, and I'll, I'll get to where I'm going and why Laramie means something in a second, but. We've we talked quarterbacks over the years, you know, backup quarterbacks. You know, there are some quarterbacks you get and you're like, man, if I just got to get through that game, I would use this backup quarterback. But if it looked like an injury was going to keep my starter out, then I had yeah. to go another three, four, five weeks, I'm going to go with this quarterback. Yeah. And my point in that is, is if it looks like Laramie is not going to be able to be fully and completely healthy – by the time you come around to week one, and that means he might miss, you know, a few weeks at the start of the year. Is it conceivable that you might look at moving Titus to left tackle where he played in college? Now he played both left and right in college because he essentially protected the quarterback's blind side. And so they had a lefty quarterback and they had a righty quarterback. So he moved depending on uh, what the, what the quarterback was. So he was protecting the blind side. So, if you're going to be out for a significant stretch, do you move or do you think about moving Titus out to left tackle? Um, because you know he can handle that tackle position and could he handle left tackle better than anybody else you have on the roster? Now, if, if it's just going to be a game or it's just going to be the next couple of preseason games and you know you're going to get Laramie back and you know Laramie's going to step right back mm-hmm. into that left tackle spot, then Titus, I think, at guard – and I. I I, I was so mad listening to Clint and Ron today driving because Clint told my he stole my complete thunder on this. I was like, man, I can't. This is what I want to talk about. And he mentioned it. He said, you line up Farrell Brown next to Laramie, next to Titus, next to Justin Britt, and you run the football. Whoa. Like that's yeah. I mean, that that I mean, that kind of shocks your system. The bulldozer. Like, those yeah. are some dudes and really good athletes. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I want to see that. Yeah. I want to see that because 
that isn't completely and totally bully ball, but it gets pretty darn close. And I don't think it means you're just going to run off the left side all the time. But in fact, I think there's a way you run off the right side, but because your left side's so good, it just caves in that side and away you go. So there's a part of me that selfishly would love to see Laramie, Titus, and Justin Britt next to each other. And then, of course, you can put, you know, Farrow there if you want to line up with a closed set or, you know, whatever you want to do with him. But I would love to see what that looked like for a significant period of time and let those guys all kind of work together because that would be really fun to watch. And then if you can get Marcus Cannon back healthy, then you see where he is. But I think the key in this is also Charlie Heck because we've seen Charlie really improved. He is much, much improved over last year. He has come a long, long way. And I thought he fared pretty well the other night against the Packers. Now, look, it's a preseason game. But Charlie got two starts last year. Mm-hmm. And I know there was one he gave up a sack uh, to uh, Sam Hubbard at the end of the game. I mean, he's a rookie. He's played starting for the first time. But even in those two games, I felt like Charlie had come a long way. He's come even further. So I think there are options that James Campen and this, and this offensive staff have that are, that are good options. I mean, this is what we've talked about. There's depth now that depth becomes even stronger if and when or when or if you can get Lane Taylor or Marcus Cannon back. That, to me, is when that goes to a, goes to a, just a different level well, because now see, you got competition for those two other right-side spots. I want to see what you described on the left side with Farrell Brown, Laramie, Titus, Britt, and then I want to see Taylor – pull the ball out bootleg and throw to Brandon cooks who cut across the whole pattern on a deep pass. You know, you could run a lot of that zone stuff. You could have some Kubiakian type plays where you get a tight end or a receiver, just wide acre open downfield and get some big gains that way. But you have to have success with that ground game in order to make people bite. You have to make them respect it. It has to look the same way every way, every day, every play. And I see them working on that kind of stuff. I mean, not exactly, but those elements are in this offense. So, uh, look, I want to see it continue to develop. I think you have a lot of possibilities up front. That's the thing. You just mentioned a lot of different things. You have a lot of possibilities. It's a pretty deep, thick group. And I think the tight end group with Farrow Brown and Jordan Akins was back at practice today. Great to see that. Uh, you could do a lot of damage there. Maybe it's not as deep as some of the other groups. But with those two leading the way, there's room for a third or maybe fourth guy also to make some noise. But those two are going to grab. They're just going to gobble up every throw to the tight ends. Not everyone, but virtually everyone and have a big year. I just feel that way with Terod Taylor throwing the rock. Yeah, I. you mentioned the tight ends. I still think this is going to be – it's going down the final day for what who they're going to keep. But Farrah Brown has been exceptional. Oh, no. and I, got, I got the tight ends. I got the you got it. You want them? Okay. You got you keep it three or four. Well, if it's three, it's Pharaoh, Jordan, and Brevin. You're gonna keep the rookie yeah. you just drafted, right? Yeah. And he looks pretty yeah. good catching the football. Yeah, he does. And he, he's gonna get better and better and better. If he doesn't, well, then yep. you get a problem, right? So right. you have to he's assume, gotten better. He's gotten better, which is kind of nice to see. You have to assume an ascension. I think a fourth guy makes it. And I think Quisenberry is interesting because he's the fullback type. And yep. he can play tight end. You get into a pinch. One one guy gets hurt. You want to go double tight end set. Maybe he's 
one of the guys. I don't know how they're going to set all that up, but look, it's not like Ryan Izzo has done badly. It's not like your boy, Eau Claire, who you're going to mm-hmm. hear from tonight. It's not like he's done badly. You know, if he starts playing Canadian football during a game, it's going to be very bad, like trying to get a running start or something like that. That's going to be awful for this team. All right. We can't afford sloppy Canadian football type penalties in an NFL game. So I'm really worried. Actually, I'm not worried about that at all. But, you know, I think that obviously Jordan's going to be a big factor here, along with the other guys. I just see him being, you know, an occasional playmaker and the other two getting the bulk of the work but you never know maybe he's a superstar and and as a rookie he shines brighter than you were expecting i am the tight end position the offensive line those two actually have me more excited about this offense seeing it all come to fruition it's really not even all the way there yet because lane taylor and marcus cannon haven't taken a snap in training camp and hopefully that is on the horizon all right coming up next mark vandermeer the man himself you just heard Sat down with Cal McNair to talk about his football memories on the Texans' That Football Feeling TV special. That's next on Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris. And as I teased at the end of last segment, Mark Vandermeer had a chance to sit down with Cal McNair for our TV special called That Football Feeling. It is a great, great special. You definitely got to check it out. But he sat down with Cal to talk about some of his football memories. And here we go. How does it feel to be in the building, feeling the buzz that's in the building right now? Well, you do feel a little bit of a buzz, a little bit of excitement in the building. And uh, we showed the uh, locker room to a couple players uh, to give them a preemptive strike, you know, kind of look at the locker room because we readed that for them because we know that's an important part of um, a lot of their memories and a lot of the time they spend in there with their teammates in bonding and those things. So it's important to them. We wanted to show it's important to us because mm-hmm. uh, they're important to us. So uh, we got to spend a few minutes with them down there in the locker room, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, but you can feel the excitement is building and um, can't wait to get everybody in here and playing some football. Everybody's looking forward to having that football feeling again. This is Houston Texans, the 20th season. I wanted to take you back a bit to what it all means to you, this sport, this game we love so much. So in your lifetime, take me back to some of your earliest football memories, wherever it may be, watching a game, playing the game. What stands out to you about the early part of your life in this sport? Uh, How far back do you want me to go? Uh, All all the way you can. (laughs) Well, I remember uh, watching TV and Jim Brown running the ball and just how much fun it was to watch him run and nobody could tackle him. So I, I grew up, you know, kind of wanting to be that, you know, and uh, so that was a great, a great memory watching. Um, then I, when I played football early, it was with the little church league mm-hmm. and uh, dad was one of the coaches. And so I think I pestered him enough to allow me to play a year early. So I played a year earlier than I was supposed to. And they kind of hid me along the defensive line because um, I guess with all the pads, I didn't look as little as I was. And I remember either, as first or I, I remember it as the first game I was in there and they dropped back to pass and the ball got deflected and I caught it. And I ran it in for a touchdown. And so that's one of my very first memories is um, running a touchdown in in like my first game ever. 
All right, I remember so going in and it was just like, like that, we have a picture over there in the corner where we have one of our former players doing this in the end zone. And I was kind of doing that same thing and the crowd was going wild too, but it wasn't quite as loud because there weren't as many there. But, but it was a really vivid memory of um, you know, the, a, lot, a lot of the joy and how much fun it is to play the game um, even at that very low level. So when you'd watch J.J. get a couple of pick sixes like that, one of the playoff game, you've done that. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) That is phenomenal. So you, your father, your family, how important was football growing up, just watching it on TV? You mentioned Jim Brown, but as the years go by, Cal, you get into high school, obviously you played in college. What do you remember about that? What can you share with us? Uh, Just a lot of fun on game day, a lot of work on not game day and how that discipline sort of helped shape, shape you as a person and um, sort of working with teammates and, and all those life lessons were really important. But um, the joy of the game mm-hmm. is what I really remember. And the guys that have left the game, they all talk about the locker room and missing their teammates and how much they miss that camaraderie and sort of working together as a unit is what they really miss. And that's what... Um, you know, that it really meant that to me when I was playing, and I enjoy so much watching our guys come together as the year goes through the season, mm-hmm. how they come together as a team, and it's just a lot of fun for me to see that and watch it on, on the field. And just being a part of it in the community is one thing, but being a part of it at University of Texas, right? That's another. So tell us about that experience a little bit and how that helped you as an adult. Yeah, I, um, so it was um, quite a feeling trotting out on the uh, home, home field with 70 plus thousand people in orange and white, um, you know, as part of the team mm-hmm. it was just really fun and having those games um, was just really an incredible experience and playing against some some really good people I don't know if you want me to mention any yes other folks but um yeah we played against Lawrence Taylor mm-hmm. um here in the uh in our bowl that right. was a different name but uh played against him uh we played against uh, Jim Kelly um when he was at Miami um and um I like to say I played behind some really good players but most <laughs> of the guys I played behind were drafted and played several years in the league uh, with the Eagles, with Miami, mm-hmm. with Seattle, even Kansas City. And, um, so, and, and some with the Oilers were drafted by the Oilers. So it was fun to um, play on those teams. And um, one year we uh, played in the Cotton Bowl against Paul Bear Bryant in Alabama mm-hmm. and beat them. And so that's really a, an incredible memory because he was leaning against the goalpost like this, like, the, like they say he did. Mm-hmm. He actually did that before the game, sort of watching his team warm up. It was kind of a little bit historic looking back at um, playing them and playing him in particular. So a lot of great memories. What do you remember about your father and his reaction and interaction with you as you were playing high school and college football and how he felt about all of that? Well, I think he enjoyed it. Uh, he, he, I don't think he missed a game. They would drive up to Austin and, you know, whenever they could and, and, uh, were there at all the high school games and all those things. And so it was always a big part of, um, Friday night lights, you yeah. know, in high school, went to Cypress Fairbanks high school. 
in, um, back when there was only one Sci-Fair. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, it was Friday Night Lights and we were all there and um, all through high school, really. When you sit at NRG Stadium these days, do you hearken back to those days a little bit? I got to imagine the feeling, the spirit of football in this area, in this region, in the Lone Star State, is, it's got to be a feeling that's in your DNA from now all the way back. Yeah, I think um, if you're in the stands at high school in the, with the uh, boards and um, just sitting in there, or if you're you know, at uh, UT with a little nicer seat and still a seat in a stadium and you're watching, you know, it's really the same game. It's in between the chalk lines. It's 100 yards. Uh, it's one team against the other. And each team is trying their hardest, you know, to win the game and putting mm-hmm. out this effort. And uh, just to be able to watch that here in the stadium with the fans that really have a lot of the same background where they mm-hmm. have Friday night lights, where they played, right. a lot of them played when they were younger um, and had all those experiences. And they, they bring all that here and they kind of put it all together. And it just makes for just... Um, to me, it can be a little bit emotional when you mm-hmm. feel the fans and that excitement that they have for the game uh, unfold is just really uh, very gratifying and a, and a lot of fun and, yes, sometimes emotional. Yeah. Well, flag football is so big now. The Texans are so heavily involved, and you and Hannah, your kids play. So what is that like watching this sport? Because flag football wasn't as big when we were kids, but now it's huge, and I know your family's a big part of it. Yeah, flag football's really uh, kind of blossomed for us in the last few years with um, two, three of our kids playing in the last year and uh, just having a lot of fun with it. And it's still football. You know, mm-hmm. there's still one team versus another team, and they're in between the chalk lines and doing battle and working hard. It's just a lot of fun to watch them do that. And I will say they had some good coaches um, in the past year with Kevin Walter, Wow. Coaching the offense, who was a former receiver. We mm-hmm. have some great memories of him playing, playing for sure. us. And another guy named Brian Cushing, coaching the defense. Oh, wow. Uh, took these teams to, <laughs> to a Super Bowl. And so it was a lot of fun um, reconnecting with these guys, as we mm-hmm. do so often. And, uh, you know, football tends to bring folks together like that. So it's just all around a really great feeling to watch the kids and watch the adults get involved and, and again, there's fans that are coming to watch the game, and and they get just excited at those games as we do here on our games on Sunday. So it's really just a lot of fun. What do you remember about your family bringing professional football back to this city? And there's a five-year drought of no NFL football in the city of Houston. All of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, it was a process, but the Texans start play in 2002. What do you remember about that and the feeling, the excitement, the anticipation of actually landing a franchise and being able to put this whole thing together? Well, um, yeah, when the former team left, there was like a hole. And mm. we felt, I felt like a hole in, in my heart. You know, that yeah. not have football, are you kidding? Right. How can that be? We're one of the biggest cities and we're in the heart of football country. And to not have an NFL team with just a hole, we felt. And mm-hmm. Dad felt like he um, would have a chance at bringing it back. And so he worked very hard, and I helped him do that. And um, it, it was funny because no one really gave him a shot because mm-hmm. they felt it was going to L.A. 
and they came in for a final vote, and he, he said, I think I got it. And they were saying, no, I think you lost it. And he goes, no, let me tell you why. And he told them why, and by golly, he got it. And so it was just um, really exciting to be able to bring it back and then create the uniforms and the colors and to go through that process and the emblem and the logo on the side of the helmet and putting all those things together were really, really exciting times. And um, and then to come out and play our first game just to kick things off was just tremendous. And uh, so really a lot of excitement and a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. But he, he really felt a hole in his heart when there was no team. And so he mm-hmm. wanted to he wanted to fix that. He went about and um, he did. Man, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed listening to Cal wax poetic, especially about his father talking about the void in Houston football. That was really, really good stuff there from Cal McNair and Mark Vandermeer. Now, I've got two guys joining me on the other side. Well, one who joined me, Anthony O'Claire, one that joined Drew, his name is Scotty Phillips. Scotty Phillips does a Drew's Dozen. Anthony O'Claire does a little walk and talk with me. That's next on Texans All Access. All right, we got one final segment this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, and I caught up with Anthony O'Claire at the end of practice. A little walk and talk with my new pal, Anthony O'Claire. First of all, I got to know, how does that ring look? Oh, that ring is insane, man. I mean, it's so huge. It's so big. And I know. I mean, it's just a blessing, man. That ring is so nice. <laughs> I got to ask just about that whole process, the Super Bowl. You guys go on the road for three games, and you come back and play at home right. in the Super Bowl, and yet you don't have a full house. Did that matter at all? I mean, you still get the championship. Did that matter at all to that team? I mean, it was kind of weird, you know, all year um, without the fans and everything and all those protocols. And, you know, it was just different. Yeah. But at the same time, a Super Bowl is a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, no doubt. um, The game's still the game. And, I mean, the experience was the same. Um, It's just like the media and the fans around the game. Um, that wasn't the same. Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt that the other night. I don't know if you felt that uh, in Green Bay. I looked yeah. around and saw oh, the yeah. fans in the stands, and I was—I almost started crying. It was really cool. How's <laughs> your camp? That. How's your camp been? No, it's a little, little different here than it is in Tampa. But how's your camp been thus far? I mean, it's it's a little bit different, but the weather is kind of <laughs> the same or worse. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Uh, but um, yeah, it's 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 a grind, man. I mean, you know, training camp. It's it's just good to have preseason games again. And yeah you know get to play against another team um it feels good so i mean it's, it's been good so far um, um you know each day is just come here try to get better um you do some good things you do some so you have some things you got to work on every day so it's it's been good what's the one thing that gets you through training camp be it a nap in the middle of the day <laughs> something specifically you like to eat uh, what is the one thing that gets you through training camp that you because nobody looks forward to anything right. in training camp I mean even us but what is it for you for me way back in the day I was playing like an hour of Sega Genesis what is it for you <laughs> that's great I'm, I'm actually a gamer too but um, I don't have any time to play the game right yeah. now but uh, for me it's really getting ice ice tub after uh, oh. practice yeah. you know cold tub and uh, get a massage and then you know trying to clear my head a little bit and that's that's how I, that's how I do things. 
but I wish I could play the game a little bit, but we don't have time, man. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Trust me, it was way, way back in the day, and I'm sure I had to blow into the cartridge to actually get it to work. I'm so old. That being said, I started a segment, Anthony. First of all, I got to ask you this before I get to say something nice about it. You're a vet. Why are you carrying your gear? I saw rookie Brevin Jordan walking across. Why isn't he carrying your gear? Uh, I, I just stayed after the, after practice, catch a couple balls, okay. and I, I needed right. my stuff, so... All right. Okay, I'll go, I'll go with that. Okay, I started a segment a couple weeks ago. I, I've been told you're one of the nicest guys on the team, so this might be a pretty easy segment for you. It's called Say Something Nice About. So I'm going to start with the rookie. Say something nice about rookie Brevin Jordan. Um, Brev, a uh, really cool kid, um, super fast. I mean, you know, it's always hard for a rookie to come here and compete. Um you know, in his first training camp, right? Yeah. And I think he's, do, he's doing some great things. Um, he's, he's getting better. Um, he's not repeating the same mistakes. And yeah. that's one important thing for sure. And I think, you know, he's going to be good in this league. All right. Say something nice about <laughs> quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod, man, he's such a nice guy. You know, um, I, I was with uh, Cody, one of his pals he played with in college. I yeah. was with him in Tampa. Yeah. And, you know, Cody is a... He's a fun guy, so we had fun together, and, you know, they played together in college, so we kind of made a connection there. And, you know, uh, Tyrod is really good, man, um, really smart, um, you know, can make all the throws and can run, so he's a dual threat quarterback for sure. Um, it's good to have him on the team. Okay, last one. <laughs> Say something nice about Ryan Izzo. Uh, Ryan Izzo's a hard worker, man, um, you know, real smart. Comes here, study the game, uh, works hard at his craft, and a good blocker too. Um, he's a really good tight end, man. A complete guy, I'd say. Um, and it's nice to have him in the team as well. That was a really fun interview with Anthony Eau Now, Scotty Phillips had a chance to dive into the gauntlet that is Drew's Dozen with Drew Doherty. Here we go. Well, if you see us chuckling, it's because Mark Ingram one of your teammates just said, Scotty too hotty, you need to let the fans know. This is, we want people to know who you are, Scotty Phillips. Who are you? I mean, I'm no Mark Ingram. I'm a quiet guy. I'm a lead by example type of guy. You're not gonna see me all the hooping and hollering like Mark, but he's a good guy to have around to learn from, so I'm just a quiet guy. Hard worker, so. I got it, you are a quiet guy. You didn't run quietly Saturday night. That had to feel nice, getting a chance to get, you know, some, some carries that you hadn't gotten since college, right? Yeah, it was a good feeling. I mean, after the game, I wasn't that sore since college. I mean, but it was a good feeling to get my feet wet and, and get a lot of carries. So I'm happy about that. Has it been just a matter of you've needed some time, you've needed some marination, some experience in this system? You didn't get a lot of that, like a lot of the rookies around the NFL last year because of COVID. For me, it was just trusting in the coaching staff and the trainers and stuff. They didn't think I was ready. I mean, I just trusted them, and my time came, and I took advantage of it. So. How beneficial has maybe from January to now been for you? What would you get better at? What would you learn the most about yourself? By myself, just uh, how determined I am and just my work ethic. I know I didn't get many opportunities last year. I just kept my head down and kept working. And this offensive line seems a little different, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, a lot of new guys. I mean, gritty, nasty, a lot of hard work. So you saw that Saturday. Gritty and nasty could be used to describe you. I mean, mostly yards that you got Saturday night came after somebody had already touched you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a hard, hard runner. I've always been that way. I always will be, so nothing's nothing going to change. All right, let's find out a little bit more about you. Back in the day, Arian Foster was here. He's one of the greatest running backs in this franchise's history, and we asked him one time, hey, when you're in an airport or in a mall and you're walking and there's a lot of slow walkers in front of you, 
do you find yourself acting like a running back and weaving around him? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I'm, so, I'm that type of person. I mean, just I, I see that with a lot of athletes. I mean, just always doing motions like running around, step, and just doing stuff like that. So you ever get looks from people when you yeah. do it? Uh huh. <laughs> Crazy looks, but oh, it's me. So so are you? You're not a slow walker then? And nah, nah, never. I'm a slow. I'm not a slow walker. I'm not a fat, slow runner. So everything's fast for me. So. Okay, let's talk about the Olympics. Did you watch any Olympics at all? I watched a little bit because my, uh, my fiance is a big Simone Biles fan. They're actually pretty good friends, so I watched a little bit of it. What's your favorite Olympic sport? Probably basketball. I was a huge basketball fan. I played AU basketball up until like high school, so I'm a basketball fan. What position were you? I was a point guard. Yeah? I was the position I can play with my height. So, <laughs> Were you vocal on the floor? I had to be been a leader of the offense, but that's the only reason I was. Who's your favorite basketball player of all time? I'll have to go with Derrick Rose. Yeah, I was a big Bulls fan, watching well, watching highlights of Michael Jordan and just Derrick Rose coming in and being that guy. Huge Derrick Rose fan. All right, back to the Olympics. What Olympic sport should not be an Olympic sport? Oh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> so you have one, but you just don't want to cast aspersions on people. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I understand. That's a very that's a smart folks. If you're you're at home wondering, hey, how should I answer questions? Sometimes that's a good way to answer. And look, we got we got Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. Yeah, those are my guys over there. You see all that hollering they do. I don't do any of that. I'm a quiet guy. They try to make me talk all the time, but you get by one word answer. This is the most I've talked all year, so. What's that like having a guy like, I mean, you knew about him. Everybody knows about him. I mean, you grew up in a state next to Alabama. What's it like working in the same meeting room as this guy? I mean, it's a blessing. He's a big character guy. I mean, I grew up watching him, Alabama. My mom was a big Alabama fan and a Mark Ingram fan as well. So it's a blessing. She always wanted me to FaceTime him for him and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a real big blessing for me. Is that tough when your mom's trying to get on the FaceTime? Yeah, it is. I mean, I've been telling her to be patient. <laughs> the time will come. He seems like the guy that'd be like, sure, let's talk. Right? Yeah, I know I know he'll be that type of guy, but I don't I don't want to do that right now. All right, Mark Ingram, if you're watching, I'm gonna try and step in on behalf of Scotty Phillips. Can you please chit chat with Scotty's mom? <laughs> you heard it there. Perfect Scotty Phillips meal is. I go with some steak and a baked potato. Nice. What are you putting on the baked potato? A little bit of everything. Bacon, cheese, sour cream, throw a little ranch in there. Just a little bit of everything. I like to cut a Scotty Phillips jib, no doubt about that. A big thanks to Scotty, to Drew, to Anthony, to Mark, to Cal. See you guys tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.